there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Get Your Ass Up in Move Fitness and Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Peter Gay Barrett with Barrett Fitness, and on this podcast, we discuss fitness, nutrition, overall health, and overall well-being. I have my good YouTube friend here from across the waters, Mr. Gerald. Welcome to the podcast, Gerald. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. Awesome. I am doing great. I am doing awesome. So, um, Gerald is a personal trainer and medic. So, tell us, where are you joining us from today, Gerald? Yeah, um, I'm basically based in Uganda, East Africa, Africa, and basically we call my country the part of Africa. So, it basically has all the good things that you want to see in Africa. And it's called Uganda, located in the east of Africa, and that's where I hail from. Okay, so you hail from the eastern part of Africa, the country of Uganda. Exactly. Awesome. I love it, love it, love it. Um, I've never been to Africa or Uganda, but, you know, just from the studies that I've seen, you, you are from a beautiful, beautiful place, a lot of natural resources, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So today's topic of discussion, you guys, we will be talking about the causes, the risk factors and treatment of kidney disease. So kidney disease is going to be the topic of discussion, causes, risk factors, treatments. Um, and we chose this topic because Mr. Gerald is a medic and um, he focuses on patients with kidney disease and, it's, and treatment. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Gerald, and what, what do you do over there with um, kidney disease and dialysis and so forth in your country? So basically, I'm a graduate from the university with um, a bachelor's degree in nursing science, but I decided to put much more of my interest in um, nephrology, which is basically um, a branch in medicine that deals with um, people with a kidney problem and such kind of stuff, if you know what I'm saying. And um, <clears throat> that's what I basically do, so I deal with patients with um, kidney problems, and treatment, of course. And like she said, we're going to be talking about the treatment and other kind of stuff. But minus that, I'm so passionate about nutrition, fitness, and that's what I do outside my, my medical stuff. So that's it, basically. Okay, so you're a personal trainer and nutrition specialist on the side. Exactly. Which plays a great role in um, preventing and, um, or really mainly preventing kidney disease, right? Without diet uh, and nutrition, I mean, that's probably one of the causes of the, uh, way, diabetes, of uh, kidney not disease. Just, by the way, not just um, prevention, but actually in the actual treatment of the kidney disease and management of the kidney disease. Dietary recommendations, there are so many out there, so nutrition is so important when it comes to this department that I work with. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what what kind what made you wanting to go into that direction? Um, you know, with your studies and you know your work, what made you wanted to kind of focus and niche down on kidney disease and treatment and management of it? Um, I, I basically learned because when I was still in medical school, like as we were studying in school, I picked so much interest in um, in nephrology or stuff that deals with kidneys, and I paid more attention to it. I just enjoyed reading it and talking about it and such kind of stuff. 
So when they're finished school, then I got a chance you know, to be able to deal with these patients, treat them, interact with them. So basically for me, it's not just a profession, but it's just a passion of dealing with such kind of patients. Yes, and that's so important, right? When we go into these fields, especially when it comes to helping people, you got to be passionate about it, right? Exactly. Because people can see that. So um, let's talk about a couple of statistics here in the U.S. Because I know the um, U.S. is one of the leading, um, you know, countries with kidney diseases and the causes and the risk factors. Um, so check this out, Gerald. One in three Americans, one third of all Americans are at risk for kidney disease. One in seven Americans have kidney disease. That's 15% of our population, which is 37 million people in this country actually have kidney disease, right? Only two out of five of those people know that they have kidney disease. I mean, these numbers are, you know, crazy when you think and about so it. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's so patabbing, I mean. It's, it's ridiculous. So how is it in your country and what are you seeing, you know, as far as the rates and, you know, just across the world, as I'm sure you probably, you know, you would study more than I would. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's the same problem in Africa. We see every day the numbers of these patients going down, uh, I mean, going up, tripling, doubling every single day. Um, for example, in my country, even like today, today it's a Monday and I was running a renal clinic what we call a kidney clinic for outpatients. Those patients just come in the clinic and then they go away and the numbers are going high. And in Africa, it never has to be the case, but I think we have changed a lot, especially when it comes to our health, lifestyle and such kind of stuff. And we are seeing these numbers shoot as we're going to see um, how stuff like diabetes and other health factors um, are so much um, of I'm not paying attention to when it comes to you know kidney disease because I understand there are so many other causes of kidney disease that maybe I'll just highlight a little bit of them, but then we're going to dwell so much on stuff that you can deal with, stuff that you can control, stuff that you have control over. Because we know there are some other causes of kidney disease that you yourself as a person you have no control over. Yes, true. These numbers increasing in um the cause is in um is, is to spread worldwide and some of these causes ask the people we have control over them and we're not doing anything about it so that's what you're about basically right so one important question before we start digging a little bit deeper into the causes and risk factors and so forth can you tell us from your studies how important is the kidney what exactly does the kidney do to your you know the role or the function of the kidney in your body Exactly, and most people will never know the function of their kidneys until they get sick. Yes. Um, always take them for granted. But they're just two bean-shaped organs that I just found with your peritoneum, I mean, in your abdomen. And um, they are, they, let's just if you look at the function of the kidney. One of them is excreting the waste products because as we eat all this food, as the body is trying to metabolize it, work on this food, produces waste products and all these waste products are excreted by, um, by the kidney. So the kidney has a big load when it comes to addition of all these waste products. Let's talk about food balance. I mean, as you take in water, you know what happens to the water that you have taken. 
but just a lot of the kidney to make sure that there's food balance across your entire body. Um, let's talk about stuff like osmoregulation. Let's talk about stuff like electrolytes, sodium, phosphorus, um, calcium. All these keeping balance in your body. It's a lot kidney. Let's talk about stuff like making your blood. Um, so kidney is interesting. It's important in the production of a certain hormone that is important in the production of your blood. And it's called erythropoietin. So when you get sick, you want to be able to produce this erythropoietin. And we see this in patients who get sick and they get super anemic. So it's important in the production of your blood. So there's so many functions that kidney is including regulating your your salts, there's so many, there's so yeah, many. Yeah. Just kidney is one of the most important organs in your body and you can't live when your kidney has any problem. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for breaking that down for us because I'm sure that if, if you guys who are listening to this or will be watching this on YouTube, if you get any one thing out of this conversation with um, Gerald and I, is the function of the kidney. Because my opinion is once you know the function of any organ in your body, that's probably going to help you and make you think twice, you know, when you do the things that's going to damage it. Wouldn't you agree with that, Gerald? Exactly. And I mean, the moment you get to know the function of the kidney, then you will learn how to protect your kidney so that it that's keeps right. And like I said, there's some things you don't have control over. For example, about aging. You have no control over aging, but you can slow down the aging. I know you can't stop aging, but you can slow down the process of aging. But as you are going to ask that, as you grow, a lot of stuff happens with your kidneys, structure, functional, that your kidneys start failing the wrong one. But you can do something about it. We're going to talk about it. So there's so many things that we're going to talk about that if you get to know the function of the kidney first, you'd want to protect your kidney. Right. So then when we talk about kidney disease, what, how would you explain kidney disease to someone? So now we know the function of the kidney in the body, right? And we know the role that it plays. And one would say, so what is kidney disease? So basically kidney disease is the, is the slowing of the kidney function, which could be over weeks, over months, so we see um, a change in kidney function over these, it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months, and it could be years. So basically, the function of the kidney goes down. And how do we tell that is, we look at the function of the kidney, what it's supposed to do is to do that particular load. So if it's not doing that particular load, then we start questioning how your kidney is functioning and start investigating you for um, a kidney problem and we end up with so many diseases. Right. So basically how we can tell that you have kidney disease is the failure of your kidney to perform its functions. Right. So we know the function and we know that kidney disease is when it's not functioning as it should and doing what it's supposed to do in the body. Right. Yes. So Gerald, you know what? I am a big um, advocate of getting an annual exam, right? One would look at me and probably yourself as a medic and be like, oh, you know, you don't have to go to the doctor, whatever, you're healthy and fit and, you know, whatever. But I think when it says two out of five Americans don't know that they have kidney disease, for me, because like you said, you don't know, you know, it could be aging. I mean, I'm not getting any younger, right? It could be some factors that you'd have no, can't, you can't prevent. 
but how am I going to know that my kidney is not functioning at tip top? I go and get an annual check every year. Once a year around my birthday, I go and get an annual check. I check all my blood levels. I check my kidney function. I catch the cholesterol. Would you recommend something like that? This is interesting about your, our kidneys. Um, our kidneys, they are a beautiful organ that they tend to overcompensate. Even when they are failing, they tend to do their best to keep working. I work hard, hard, hard to get Yes, by the, time, by the time you come to the hospital, most of the times, your kidneys have really failed. If you get what I'm saying. And that's why most people, it's hard for them to know that they actually have a kidney disease until they actually go down. But just know by the time you come to the hospital, by the time you see these symptoms and signs of disease, chances are that like, your kidney started doing bad like a year ago. Yeah. And we have types of kidney disease. For example, we have the acute kidney injury or disease and a chronic one. So the acute kidney injury or disease is, in, is that you have a rapid progression of kidney disease in the shortest period of time. And that's when it should be less than two weeks or up to a month late. So within a month or a week, your kidney has deteriorated and you're in a hospital, you know that you have a kidney problem. But the beauty of acute kidney injury is it can be treated and it is reversible. You can heal. But then the people who have chronic kidney disease or the people who have had that gradual damage to their kidneys over time, these people, they are unable to tell that they have a problem with their kidneys. So what happens is the kidneys gradually fail by the symptoms that kidneys are irreversible now. Yes, yes. Wow, wow. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so so like, um, to answer your question um, of how you should, for example, there's no reason why you shouldn't be checking your kidneys every, maybe twice a year, every, after six months. Just walk to the clinic or a hospital for just a random checkup. Blood work, yeah. Because, like I told you, your kidneys can start failing today and you get to know that after one year and six months plus. So, which means if you're able to do um, serial checkups, you're able to tell that your kidneys are failing before you get the signs and symptoms, and then you can do something. Well, do something about it, right? That's right. Um, so let's talk about the risk factors because I think this is probably one of the, the biggest things in addition to knowing the role of the kidney is knowing how to prevent kidney disease. What do you think are some of the biggest culprits of kidney disease? So um, one, let's look at the kidney getting sick. We have, the, we have stuff that injure the kidney direct. Then there's kidney problem coming as a result of a complication of something else. So we are going to break it in that way. Um, but let's just look at the general factors. For example, look about stuff like severe hypertension. If you are hypertensive, you'll end up you're going to end up with kidney failure. Um, I'll try to explain how that's um, how it happens, but then we can have your hypertension for 10 years, 15 years down the road. And you end up with kidney failure. About stuff like severe dehydration, you probably don't want to drink um to drink water. We always tell people, guys, drink, 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 drink water. water. So severe dehydration, the injury or kidney disease, it does. And seen this. And if you want to demonstrate this, patients who go through a lot of vomiting and diarrhea, these patients they lose a lot of water and 
go in shock and end up with kidney failure. Let's talk about stuff like smoking. Smoking is one of the major risk factors for kidney disease. Let's look at diabetes. Diabetes is like the leading cause of kidney disease in the world, yeah. right? Something called diabetic kidney disease. We, we, um, scientists were able to even get a name for it, diabetic kidney disease. Yeah. Let's talk about stuff like, for example, I said like, as you age, you can't remain the same. And when you look at men, as they age, they tend to get changes when they are prostate. There's something we call benign prostate hyperplasia, where you What benign? I said benign prostate hyperplasia. Basically, your prostate gland starts enlarging. Larger so, so basically, it starts blocking the way the unite tract and other kind of stuff and cause problems to the kidneys. There's some things that actually cause kidney problems. Let's talk about NSAIDs, ibuprofen, diclofenacal, all these over-the-counter drugs that you're ever taking when you have simple pain that doesn't even require any kind of medication. Exactly. All these have effect on your kidneys. Let's talk about cancer drugs. Cancer drugs like alopinol, most of them they actually end up with kidney problems. So there's um, about stuff like um, CT scans. I mean, if you have a problem with going for a CT scan, you can end up with a kidney problem. Wow. So there's so many risk factors out there. Mm -hmm. you, some of them, we have control over them. Right, right. But then we want to deal with what we have control over. Because as of now, it's the leading cause of kidney disease around the world. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say, and, and I don't know if I'm sure you probably would agree with me, diabetes and hypertension, high blood pressure that you talk about, those are controllables. I mean, in 90% of the cases, those are things that we can control, right? Um, drinking water, right? Like, and you're going to become dehydrated. And one of the functions of the kidney is to rid the toxins from your body, drinking the water, help the body and help the kidney to flush out the toxins of the body. Absolutely. So they work hand in hand with each other, right? You are giving your kidney a fighting chance of survival. It's like your work horse next to your heart. In my opinion, it's like the work horse of your body. It's taking waste out. It doesn't matter how healthy you eat. And, 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 and for it, the kidney loves it when it's doing its work. Because yeah, as we see, I said it is important when it comes to food balance. And it's not going to balance fluid that you don't give the body because 70% of our body mass is water. So it's better when it's actually filtering, filtering all that water. It's feeling better. Yep, yep. It's just simple drinking water, eating a balanced diet. Nobody's telling you guys that you have to, you know, do what we do. You don't have to go in the gym for hours and hours and do these crazy exercises and crazy. Just balance it out, man. A little bit of exercise. And nobody's not saying like, oh, you can't eat, you know, a little junk and a little treat here or there. It's just all about balance. Right, Gerald? Exactly. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, what, what is the difference between kidney disease and kidney failure does it start with just the kidney malfunctioning a little bit and then it gets to a point where it's just kidney failure like how, how would you describe that process yeah like, like you said they are different um is that for example there's a difference between an infection and a disease right let's take it easier when you have hiv you have an infection you're able to walk around with it and 
no problem. But then when you get AIDS, that's a disease, the same as kidney. When you have kidney disease, it's okay. I mean, you're able to do your activities of daily living. Yes, you're with your kidney disease and you're receiving treatment, but you're not hospitalized. Basically, your kidney hasn't failed. And for us in, in, in our department or in that branch of medicine, there's a way how we categorize our patients. And especially, we tend to stage them. For example, there is one stage of kidney disease, stage one, two, three, up to four. And then there's what we call end stage renal disease or end stage kidney disease. I'm saying, and that's like the terminal end of the kidney disease. So, like what I'm saying is, in stage one of your kidney disease, is you have normal functional to the kidney almost. Your kidney is filtering very well, doing everything, but not up the optimum. And if you look at how we calculate that, there's something called estimated glomerular filtration rate, like the rate at which your kidney filters okay. stuff. That's what we calculate on. And a normal kidney is supposed to do that at 90 meals per minute. You understand? So you should be able to make about 90 meals of a filtrate within one minute. So some patients are able to make that, but then their kidney is not functioning well. And how do we tell that? Is there some markers that we look at to know that your kidney is functioning? And one of them is, like I told you, we look at the function of the kidney if it's able to do certain functions. And one of them is excretion of waste products. For example, one of the waste products we look at is called creatinine. We've heard about creatine. So when creatine is broken down, it's turned into creatinine, which is a waste product that's supposed to be excreted by the kidneys. So kidneys are failing. It means creatinine is no, it's not going to be excreted. It's going to be accumulating in your bloodstream to not go anywhere. So when you do a simple function of the kidney, looking for that creatinine, you're going to find it high in your blood. Another product is urea. So those are the most ones that we tend to add. Neuremic toxin. As long as your kidney is not excreting the wastes, these wastes are going to accumulate in your bloodstream. So the moment you test your blood and for these waste products, we are going to find them high in numbers in the blood. And now your kidneys are failing. So now, you have your kidney that is filtering very well, but is unable to excrete those products. And for stage one. And you're making normal urine, your output is okay, but you're not completely excreting those waste products. So, and your kidney function, what we call the glomerular filtration rate, is about 19 meals per minute, which is normal. So, that's when we say you have stage one of this kidney disease. Mm -hmm, got it. So, then we can one, once your kidney has, has, are at that stage where your kidney has failed, can one recover from kidney failure? Or, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the end result of that? What's the, how do you fix that? This what I said is sometimes you have, um, you have a progressive deterioration of your kidney function, what we call acute kidney failure or injury, where the cause of the problem has happened in the space of days to weeks. Okay. That's absolutely reversible because we see the causes of 
those um, that problem, as long as you remove the offending agent, your kidney is able to recover. So it's like you've wounded the kidney, and then you give it time to heal, and then it heals back. But then I told you, we have that problem, what we call that chronic kidney um, 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 disease, where there is a gradual progression of the disease that you yourself were unable to tell, right? and has been happening over the years, over many, many months, that whatever happened to your kidney is irreversible. Understand? Mm -hmm. So the stages I'm trying to explain to you that your kidney has started failing, but it's now at stage one. Right. So that's the most important thing to ask when you come to us, and that's why I told you is, you have no more urine output. So unless you go to the hospital, you will never know that your kidneys are failing. Mm -hmm. yeah. The patients who come to the hospital that already passed that stage of failure is that they are now hospitalized, they need hospitalization. Mm -hmm. They have symptoms. But if you're someone who, um, who often visits the hospital, who often goes for a medical checkup, maybe you're able to detect your problem at stage one. And if you take it at stage one, for us, our role as medics is to slow down the progression of that disease. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Instead of stage one to stage two within a short period of time, now we slow that progression. Right. So at what stage does dialysis come in, Gerald? At what stage does some, you, you know, in that field as a medic decide that the patient needs dialysis? At what stage in the kidney disease process? So when you reach stage three of the disease, so when you reach stage three of the disease, that's when your glomerular um, filtration rate has gone to below 60 mils per minute. So we start having discussions over dialysis because where we are going is not good. We're going to reach at a point where you complete, you're going to have total kidney failure, or what I call end-stage renal disease, where your kidney has actually now failed from the disease to the failure now. Failure means it's unable to do almost anything. So when we look at the kidney function, we look in terms of percentages. You understand? So at the 90 minutes, I was telling you can put it, your kidney is still working at 90%. When you go to 60, your kidney is working at 60%. When you go to 40 minutes, your kidney is working at 40%. And stage five is where your kidneys are working below 15%. Oh, 15%. Oh. At 15%, there's nothing else that we have to do other than initiating you on dialysis. Oh, I see. Wow. So, exactly. you, so that's, that's, that's someone's kidneys at 15% just simply filtering waste out of the body. Then, I mean, that, you know, then waste exactly. is and backing up into your bloodstream. And I mean, that, that just sounds like something. Exactly. So at 15%, at your kidneys are unable to eliminate the waste in the body. And now we have to eliminate those wastes manually. We have to make your net manually. Right. So that's what that now to the next question. That's what dialysis is. Is is absolutely. Oh, I see. So can I explain a little bit just dialysis. I mean, what is what, what is the process? And does does it first and are they in the hospital? So so basically, when you reach at that stage of kidney disease, what we call stage five or the end stage renal disease, now there's something we call renal replacement therapy. Yeah. Now we have four ways of replacing your kidney. 
So there are two ways. One is dialysis. Number two is a transplant. So we start discussions of having a transplant and putting you on dialysis. Dialysis and a transplant. So basically, dialysis is like an artificial kidney. So because your kidneys can longer excrete the waste, so what we do is the machines, there are so many machines, um, so many made from America, made from China, everywhere, that are manufactured to do that role. But there's one component of that machine that is called the dialyzer. So the, the dialyzer is what is your kidney. So basically, the dialyzer has membranes that are supposed to filter the wastes, the way your kidney filters those wastes. But this process, instead of happening in your body, is happening outside your body. Right. Sense. Yeah. So what you do is because your kidneys we are filtering blood and removing the wastes, we are now filtering your blood outside your body and putting it back in your body. Oh. That's what so you take so blood, you're removing blood from the body, filtering it and putting it back into the body? Exactly. And to wow. remove wastes outside your body. Yes. So what happens is we have to for access. So it's not like we are going to take all your blood and first put it somewhere and filter it and bring it all back into your body. No. So basically what we do is we look for access and how we can get blood from your body. So one of the access we look out for is your big veins in your body. So these are your jugular veins, your big veins in the neck. Vein right here, we call the subclavian vein. You feel veins down in your groin and your branchial vein. So, what we do is we have these tubes. We have a tube that brings blood from your body and takes it to that machine that does dialysis. And we have another tube that brings the clean blood that has been filtered back to the body. So, that's how basically we dialysis in a nutshell. So that we are taking all that brand that is so dirty with all these toxins and get outside um, in what we call a dialyzer, and then the brand is being taken back. So you have the whole process, the process is continuous. So you're breathing, filtering, and going back. How yes. your kidney normally functions is you have one vessel that brings blood to the kidney, filters it, and then another vessel takes it away. Wow, wow. I mean, to me, just thinking about that process just scares the crap out of me. I mean, excuse my French. And if there's anything me as a person can do to give my body a fighting chance to where I don't have to go through that process, I mean, then we should, right, Gerald? Like, as Absolutely, we, we should. We, we should. should. Like, like, that's why I'm trying to do something about it. Instead of us trying to treat you, let's prevent you. We don't that's want to right. That's why we're here trying to educate you, give you all this information, having that your fingertips to be able to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think the first step is knowing what the kidney does, knowing the things that causes it, and knowing what the heck you need to do to prevent it, right? Absolutely. Right. Um, so tell us, Gerald, like, what, how, what role does nutrition play in preventing um, kidney disease? What role would you say nutrition plays? So, well, let's look at um, 
we looked at diabetes, like one of the greatest risk factors. It's actually no longer a risk factor. It's now an etiology. It's part of the causes. That's no yes. Factor that causes one of the causes of um, kidney disease. But then, like nutrition, is not just only for prevention, but uh, in the direct management of the patient. Like I told you, like what we always call micronutrients um, in, in nutrition and wherever, when it comes to us, the medics, these things become so important, so big. We no longer look at them as micronutrients. We no longer look at potassium as a micronutrient, calcium, phosphorus, because these are the things that determine the prognosis of a patient. If the patient is going to progress soon, get well soon, or the patient is going to deteriorate and die. Right, right. They are potassium, they are calcium, they are phosphorus, because it was previously being done by the kidney, now the kidney is unable. So you have to control them. One, through dietary. That's number one. The number two is pressure. So you have to be looking at the sodium. I didn't talk about the role of the kidney in hydrating your sodium. Very, very, very vital. Very, very important, if you get what I'm saying. If we, we are to look at the prevention and nutrition, like that's where it starts from. Basically, I always tell people, eat your food as if it's your medicine today. Yes, eat your medicine as if it's your food in the future. Right, that's right. You're basically going to, you're basically going to get a lot if you start eating. Just looking right. at it like your medicine. And not exactly. every single thing that you eat, right? You don't have to say every single thing that I eat is going to be my medicine. For me, you know, you and I had this conversation the other day, is drinking my smoothies. I have a smoothie every day. It doesn't matter what it tastes like, Gerald, I'm going to drink it because in my head, that's my medicine that's going to prevent me from having kidney diseases, certain cancers, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterols, which are the risk factors of things like kidney disease, right? Exactly. So, so, so let, for example, let's look at diabetes as one of the major causes of kidney disease. And we all know that what happens in diabetes is you have hyperglycemia or high blood sugar and insulinemia. Those are two most important things when it comes to diabetes. Because we all know that our bodies need sugar. So every living cell uses glucose. That's right. We need it. But your body has its mechanism on how to control whether it's too much or too low. And function when it is too much or when it is too low. So it has its own mechanism on how to balance the blood sugar. But this is the problem is, so I'll talk about hyperinsulinemia in the first place, is every time you eat glucose, your body tends to pump out this hormone insulin, trying to balance your blood sugar. It doesn't want your blood sugar to go high, because when it goes so high, your body cannot function very well. When it tries to do something about the blood sugar, but like we always say, is this saying, I don't know if you heard that say that too much of anything is always bad. Yep. When we say too much of, where I'm from in Jamaica, we say, say too much of anything is good for nothing. <laughs> That's what we say in Jamaica. So what happens is you've been eating for many, many years, since childhood, having your ice cream, white, bag and everything, and you're now 30 years old. So your body has been trying so hard to make sure that this glucose keeps in check for 30 years. You understand? 
But the problem is that every time your body finds its glucose very high, that delta glucose coming in very high, is due to the point where the receptors, um, especially for insulin, don't work. I mean, what happens is you pump up all this sugar into your blood, which at a point you've been eating your, let's say, your burger and it's fine, you don't feel anything. This time you eat your burger and your blood sugar should, shoots over the roof. Your body has no control over it. It has basically told you that I've failed. This is the yeah. point which I've failed. And what is anytime you eat something that is sugary, the sugar keeps floating in your bloodstream. It's not going anywhere. The other time when your body was okay doing everything perfectly well, is it was pumping out insulin from the pancreas, trying to clear all this sugar that you have brought in, you know, maybe through a high carbohydrate meal, and then putting that sugar into storage as fat and as blood, and then that continues. But at this point, your body is unable to do that because it has lost sensitivity. This will have lost sensitivity. And like, this happens over a period of time. You get what I'm saying? But I also want you to make it clear that we have types of diabetes. We have type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. So what I'm trying to talk about, I'm basically trying to talk about type 2 diabetes. Because type 1 diabetes, it's the opposite of type 2. So in type 1, you basically need the insulin. Your body is unable to produce the insulin. Yeah, and usually people are coping with that, right? Yeah, so you have a problem with the production of your insulin um, from the pancreas, yeah. and you have no control. So there are so many things that can cause that, and you end up type 1 diabetes. But also, if it's type 1, we see it at an early onset in your childhood. Uh, that is maybe below 25 years. Yeah. And also, presentation tends to be different. So in this case, you actually need more insulin. Mm. But to diabetes, what happens is, your body is producing the insulin, but the insulin is unable to work. It has no sensitivity, where it has caused to work. So what happens is, now every time you eat sugar, sugar is just floating in your bloodstream. It has nowhere to go. And your body cannot function when your sugar is very high. So you're going to get um, symptoms that the person, for example, frequent urination, fasting, um, hungry all the time, fatigue, and you tend to visit a doctor or the hospital, and the doctor will do your random blood sugar and will tell you your random blood sugar is very high, and boom, you have diabetes. So what they have to do for you? They have to give you more drugs to push that into it, supposed to be by force, because your body can no longer push it by itself, so you have to push it there by force. And that using drugs, one, that enhance the production of more insulin, but two, increase the sensitivity of your insulin. Right. And three, could put your kidney where it's overworking to break down the toxin that this medication causes. Now you have two things working against your kidney, right? The diabetes yes. and the medication that you're taking, right? So, <laughs> so um, so I don't tell people who are watching us, who's all listening to us, is the treatment for diabetes doesn't actually make your diabetes better, but it wasn't it. Right. Okay. Yep. That one, you know, is that you've lost the to something because of too much of it. 
but we are giving you more of it. So we are simply worsening the resistance, yeah. what you want to resistance. Right, right. So that's why over time, we keep um, increasing the dosage of these drugs. So we start with a low dose, it doesn't work. We go on another dose, we take another dose, we increase the dose because every time we give you more, we keep with, um, increasing the resistance. Mm. When it comes to treatment is one, reducing the hyperglycemia or high blood sugar. The best first of all is keeping your blood sugar in check, but then you are not treating the problem. Mm. Because the problem looks irreversible to us. Though there are some studies, for example, in the ketogenic world, in the intermittent fasting world, that have been done that actually show that type 2 diabetes is reversible. Mm-hmm. And it's been possible if you're able, if you're able to listen to great doctors like Jason Farm, um, Professor Bigman, others who have done studies and have patients, they have tried intermittent fasting on low carb diet, and they have had their issues reversed. That but there are there are also studies to show that just making changes depending on what level of um, diabetes you have just making simple lifestyle changes can reverse your diabetes if you go to the doctor and you find out oh you know especially like pre-diabetic you can reverse that i'm not saying but you can definitely reverse pre-diabetes and diabetes in most cases like lifestyle changes Changing what you eat and getting some exercise. And so that's the next question as we wrap up here. What role do you think exercise and in general play in helping to prevent these chronic diseases that lead? Actually, the the most important way that exercise plays um, is increasing your insulin sensitivity. Prevention of all this. We understand there are so many benefits of exercise. But when it comes to chronic disease, especially diabetes, it majorly increases your insulin sensitivity. So if insulin is sensitive, your sensitivity is going to increase again, and you'll be able to drive your glucose back into the cells for use. Because like I was saying, exercise is a very demanding thing. You need glucose to use. So basically, what has to do so much to provide you with glucose? So basically, you're having your um, your insulin sensitivity tripled over the roof as you exercise, and as you improve your insulin sensitivity, you're using more glucose, and that's what the body loves to see you doing. That's exercise comes in. Yeah, yeah. Contact. For most people, that's what they don't know, but. One of the most important of exercise benefits is increasing your insulin sensitivity. Right. That increasing your insulin sensitivity. Yes, yes. You just told me something, actually. I, I don't know that. And this is what we mean. And we always say this, like you can't exercise out of bad diet and everything. So when you go and do exercise, burn all these calories, Increase your, increase your insulin sensitivity, and then you come back home and then take all these empty calories. Junk food, right. Taken down the... Mm-hmm. the just, they can't just cancel each other out, right? Just cancel each other out. So you just cancel out each other. Yeah, you're right. And that's, you're right. When people always say this, like, you know, you can't outrun a bad diet or outwork out a bad diet. It is a fact. 
So just like what Gerald is saying, you just taught me something. Exactly. So, 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 what you, so some people will be like, okay, I'm going to eat this and this. At the end of the day, I'll have to exercise. I'm going to go to the gym and do that. But that one, you notice what can mean that your insulin sensitivity has improved. Mm -hmm. What is make sure that you're eating right, what you're supposed to eat, but at the same time, increasing your insulin sensitivity. And like, when you look at insulin, I didn't want to discuss hormones so much, but it's hard to avoid them. When you look at insulin, insulin is what tells your body how much fat to store. Okay, good. You get what I'm saying? Insulin is what tells your body store this amount of fat. But then what tells your body where to store fat is your androgens, your hormones, your estrogen, your testosterone. For example, there's a reason why women store more of their fat around their, yeah. their thighs. Yeah. Women mm -hmm. around their thighs and around their hips. Mm -hmm. That one control over it because it's determined by your androgens and that's your estrogen. And for us men, that's why women are gaining weight, trying to put on all that kind of weight. Their weight comes around their midsection. That's their belly because that's what androgens do. But how much you store around your belly is mediated by a hormone insulin. So, like we said, one of the causes of insulin resistance is you putting on so much fat that all the receptors, you've lost receptors that are supposed to work on your insulin. So when so this is how I tend to describe people what insulin does. Because if you don't understand the law of insulin, it's hard for you to understand its implications, especially when it comes to weight loss and fat loss. So imagine you have a padlock at home. So every time you leave work, I mean you leave home, you lock your house and you have to come back in the evening and open your house. So when you open that padlock for over months, over the years, you reach at a point where you put that same key in the padlock and it struggles to open that padlock. So like it's a different key, it's the same key, but then it's struggling to open that what? Padlock. So you want to imagine that you are the glucose and the key is your insulin. Ah. So trying to open for the glucose to enter, understand? Mm -hmm. Because it has been opening for the glucose to enter for many, many years, it reaches at a point where it starts becoming resistant. So when you put the key to open your padlock, it doesn't open. You understand? Yeah. That's what we are saying. Every time we are telling people, you know, you need to go low carb, you need to reduce on your starchy carbohydrates, we simply telling them, make sure that you have low sugar in your blood so that you don't have more insulin opening your door all the time. Right. So that, that sensitivity. That's what you are trying to tell people. So when you have, if you have more of your insulin that has been opening for glucose to enter for many, many years and has been storing fat in these adipose tissues, you're at the point where you can put the key and you can't even locate turn it. Mm. You understand? Mm. You reach at your door and you can't see the, the padlock. Yes, yes. And that one mean is you're not going to enter, you're going to sit outside. You get in, right? Uh, it's going to keep floating the blood, and your body like that. It's going to make your body get sick. Yeah. So insulin. It's dictation when it comes to how much fat you store. That's it. as simple as that. Right, right. Make it clear because most people um they they tend to make 
weight loss and fat loss, which so simple, without understanding actually what happens at the DNA level. Because what happens most of the, most of the times is how your body interacts, how your cell biology interacts with the food that you eat and with hormones, because our body runs on hormones. And also to show that if you're able to optimize your hormones, then you've made weight loss and fat loss much easier for you. Yes, yes, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Wow, wow. I mean, this. Thank you so much. This is just such an intriguing um, conversation, and I have to say, you know, I always tell people I'm not a, you know, medic. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. But you know, I spend time to learn about nutrition and biology and how the body works, even in its simplest form. So I will know the things that I need to do that's going to give, you know, me a fighting chance to prevent all these things especially as we get older you say we have no control over that and could be one risk factor of diabetes or what well, not diabetes but probably kidney disease even just your heart like everything just kind of slows down you know as as you get older and it's it's just always intriguing to me to have conversations with people like yourself yeah and, and, and exactly you're right and and how it works right yeah and like how you're saying even when you have a heart failure one of its implications is kidney injury. Mm -hmm. So, someone yes. from getting heart disease by preventing them from getting hypertension and other kind of stuff. And all this happens when you're having a right diet. That's right. That's right. That all this happens when you're eating right. That's where that's from. And like I told you, kidney itself, we have intrinsic factors, all those diseases that make the kidney sick itself, like the but that percentage is small. Right. Most of, the, most of the patients we are seeing, they come to the hospital with kidney failure as a complication. That's of right. Yeah, of, the, of, the, of the lifestyle, right? And everything right. that we just mentioned, diabetes, obesity, Hypertension. high blood pressure, high cholesterol, these are all the implications and risk factors of heart disease, and kidney disease and we can do you know just listen to people Something like about you, know? you know you don't have to know it in depth and know the biological terminologies or you know and you know some of the nutrition terms and stuff that we use but sometimes it's just you eat something and you you know it you your body feels some type of way for example if if i'm cutting short i want to explain how what happens in diabetic kidney disease so because you have an uncontrolled sugar for some time, what we call hyperglycemia, what happens is there's something we call advanced glycated end products. So these products, they come as a result of having proteins combined with fat and sugar without any chemical, um, chemical process or enzymatic process and forming those products we call um, glycated products. So what happens with these products is they go and pose themselves around the kidney mm -hmm. and kidney directly. Wow. So the best way you can control that is having normal blood sugars. Yes, yes. I try to say. So um, if I can repeat it again, is you have glucose that is so high in your blood protein and it is combined with your protein that you have eaten and then making one complex compound mm -hmm. and that Compounds what damage the kidney directly. One of the mechanisms how diabetes actually causes kidney disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have one body, you guys. One body. 
That's all the Lord made us with. And it's up to us to, to protect it and um, take care of it and um, just treat it as, as, as we should. And you get one, I mean, once your kidney fails, your kidney fails. That's it, right? Uh, your heart's gone. Your heart's gone. You don't have smarts. <laughs> And this one makes me want to stress this. Some people, that's why I also disagree. Some people always say a calorie is just a calorie and looking at a human body in terms of calories. And we're trying to tell you is your body does not know calories. Nope. Calories are a measure of that's right. Edge, right. Simply a measure. Yeah. For example, we tell you that the way your body handles calories from broccoli. So the way it handles calories from a soda, that's from right. a donut. That's, right. mm -hmm. that's what we are trying to tell these people in the fitness world, that however much calories are important, but your hormones are the most important. That's that right. Keep um, your weight off. Right. Um, the type of calorie so, that you consume. But also, um, appearance, body image, you might look healthy, but deep inside you're not healthy. For example, you having a six pack, you having jacked arms, does not mean that you're healthy. There's a lot of stuff happening in your body that you have no control over, that you have control over, but you're not doing so. Yes. And I'm trying to come out and explain to you that a lot of these hormones, I mean, there are so many hormones. We talked about insulin, glucagon, leptin, ghrelin, all these hormones that's so, so, so important to us. It's, and they're what controls how our bodies are. And if you cannot optimize them, it's going to be hard for you to live a healthy life. So it's like everybody who works out, everyone who goes to the gym, everyone who does A, B, and C are healthy. It doesn't, it doesn't mean so. We can only tell that when we do serum levels of especially these hormones. When you do our when you do for example your fasting insulin how are they? If your insulin is very high all the time and do it like when you're fasting, it basically tells us that where you're going is not good. Mm -hmm. Have a normal fasting is never, but most people because they are ever eating a high carbohydrate starchy meal, their fasting insulin levels are even ever high all the time. Yeah. But that, that one can have it when you're when you're even thinking that you're living a lifestyle, you're going to the gym, you're exercising, you're doing everything. But in actual sense, you know, it's after a hair. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. It's, it's, I know someone who, one would look at this guy and, and just think he's the healthiest person there is. Jacked and just ripped and work out 10 times a week. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you work out twice a day and you look at him and, you know, people would see him on social media and he had thousands of followers and, um, you know, someone that I know. And come to find out, he, he died of, of heart disease. And what it was, he was taking all these supplements and all this protein powder and all these fake, you know, foods or whatever. And, you know, that's just, that's just a typical example. And even come to find out, even his kidney was failing. You know, your body can't process all that crap. Your kidney can't filter out all this stuff, you know, the rate that it's supposed to. Um, but, exactly. You know, so thank you, Jerry. So, so that's what I thought. And, and that's what most people forget is anytime someone thinks of living a healthy life, they think about going to the gym. That's what hits their head first, yeah. which is not by the way. Nope. Like 75, that's like 25% exactly. of what you're yep. 20%. What you're supposed to focus on is how you're eating. And I always tell my parents that 
You didn't gain all that weight in the first place because you are not working out, simply because of what you are doing outside, working out. Mm -hmm. So that before you even think about that's what. Yep, and that's I always say, Gerald, as you know, we wrap up here is if I had to choose, and with my clients that I trained, you know, personal training or nutrition, if you had to choose between nutrition and exercise, it better be nutrition. That, that to, needs to be the key. If when you can say, you know, I can't work out today, you do not need to say, oh, I can't eat right today. I've missed exercising for a month and you can get back into it. You don't need to go a whole month without, you know, eating properly. And, you but know, let's, let's talk about it. Um, exercise wants to provide you with the stuff like antioxidants. Exactly. That's right. That is these possible. are the things that, that fight cancer. Things That's that right. And you will never get them from exercise. So That's you know, right. Oh my God. Where are you going to get them from? Yes. And this will be, I focus on nutrition, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, you know, just like the body of inflammation and toxins and, you know, phytochemicals that most people never talk about. I'm sure, you know, as a, as a, a medic, you know about that. Go yes. to the gym, don't give you phytochemicals. Don't go to the gym, don't give you fiber that's going to keep clean out your colon. I mean, these are the things that we just, you know, we don't, we don't know, we don't think about, and we see ripped, and that's all we want. But because the most important thing exercise does, most people, is use muscle, make it get ripped, and such kind of stuff. But then there's so many other things that yeah. your mental state. Mm -hmm. It's important. Don't get us wrong, you guys. For those of you who are listening to us, it is important. But nutrition is not. That's what I'm saying, and, and that's what I'm trying to explain. It's going to help you look good, improve your body image, improve your mental state, and all that stuff. But when it comes to longevity, um, how you're supposed to live, and this kind of stuff, there's some things it cannot do. That's right. That's and right. that's why people keep telling you you can't out exercise a bad diet. Never, never. never. Yep, 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 yep. And we could go on and on and on about this conversation. You and I will meet again next week, and we will focus on the nutrition aspect of um, um, of preventing kidney disease and if the risk factors and, you know, so forth. But thank you so much for this conversation, Gerald. I know I've learned a thing or two, you know, from you, and I appreciate that. And I'll use that in my day-to-day -day life and take that back to, you know, my clients. Um, but tell us before we, we, we get off here, where can we find you? Someone who, you know, may have kidney disease or know someone or have a family member may want to reach out to you and ask a question. And now you and I connect on, um, on Instagram and on YouTube, which is where we met. Um, tell us, where can we find you? Yeah, so basically you can find me almost on our social media. Um, Girls Fitness is right here. Those ones who are watching. Um, Girls Fitness, that is G-E-R-O-S Fitness. That is on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter, other platforms. But as we wonder, um, there's something I wanted to say that in the management of these patients, and that's, these are things we are saying that you can't get from exercise. Um, these are micronutrients. Micronutrients, your potassium, your potassium, your sodium, your phosphate. This when it comes to the management of this, of special kidney disease, those are the most important things. And diet has a lot to do when it comes to these um, micronutrients: your potassium, your phosphorus, your calcium, your sodium. And these are the markers that we look on and tell 
whether to do something about your health. Those are when you come to the hospital, you see us ever removing blood and testing these things almost all the time. Almost and so these are your potassium, then, your sodium, magnesium, calcium, and phosphorus. And phosphorus, oh, okay. Phosphorus. And that's why I'm saying that is it's very important to know them that we need them from diet. So if we are doing a kidney-friendly diet, because as the kidney disease progresses and it's unable to control all these electrolytes, what we do is we're going to start restricting them from the diet. We don't want to take a diet that has this. We don't want to take a diet that has potassium. We don't want you to do this and this and this. Sometimes we have to even give you drugs that limit the absorption of these very micronutrients from the foods that you are eating. So that's it's very, very important to eat your food as if it's a medicine today. Because now, if you eat the whole day of potassium, your kids know how they are going to handle that potassium. It's back where it's supposed to be. But the moment your kidneys get sick, your potassium gets out of hand, and you have to stop you from taking food that contains potassium. And to what you're going to maybe try to research about the kidney-friendly diet, the recipes for patients who have kidney disease. Because we have many patients who are already hospitalized and they don't know what to eat. Doctors don't eat potassium-containing foods. Don't eat a lot of sodium. Don't eat a lot of calcium, phosphorus. So they'll be confused. So what am I going to eat? How do I that contain potassium and other that don't contain potassium. So now that's the most important, like, as some of us who have an, a nutritional background of it, that we need to do and help our patients, especially putting all these um, recipes out there for to see, um, internet, everywhere, YouTube, be able to see all these recipes because people are just confused. Doctors don't eat this, don't eat it has potassium, so what Eat. Or what do I eat, right? Even as nutrition right. specialists, we do that too. Oh, cut this exactly. out of your diet, cut that out of your diet. But I try to make a focus to tell people, what do you replace it with? If you're going to become vegan, that's okay. Don't get me wrong. Perfect. I'm, I'm an advocate of that. So, um, How are you going to get your protein? Uh, Where are you going to get it from? That's what I focus on. For example, I, and, and as, as I wonder, first of all, I'll tell you, a plant-based protein source has been done and observational studies actually show that a plant-based protein is good for patients who have kidney disease. Mm -hmm. So if we were trying, and that's why the, um, most patients, we need, we need to help our patients a lot because they don't know all this information. It's up to us to disseminate this. To educate them. Put it in their range to be able to access that. You understand? So um, one of the tasks that you have is to look for those kidney-friendly diets, and be able to do those recipes. You can yep. Use, yep. I'm just giving you ideas. Yep. I'm putting them out there and for people to access. Yep, 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 yep. So I got you on the next interview. Um, I will have my kidney friendly diets, kidney friendly recipes, kidney friendly meals, um, because I'm sure there's, I always say, Gerald, if we touch one person with these conversations, our mission is accomplished because maybe that one person touch another person touch another person right um, we're not here I know I'm not here to 
you know, make millions of dollars off of it. My first goal is to educate people. And then, hey, if the fame and the money come with it, then, <laughs> you know, that, that is great. But people don't talk about these things enough, in my opinion, on the level, especially that you are talking about it from medical experience, right? Um, but again, um, you we, we will find you on social media, um, G-E-R-O-S Fitness. For those of you guys who will be watching this on YouTube, I will put his link in in the description you can click on his link um, find him on facebook on on youtube on instagram on twitter um g-e-r-o-s fitness so thank you gerald thank you for being our guest we'll see each other again next week um it was a pleasure having you as my guest today a pleasure too <laughs> i'll see you <laughs> Alrighty, you guys. Well, thank you all for joining us. Again, my name is Peter Gay Barrett with Barrett Fitness, and you can find me on all the social media platforms. Thank you guys for those of you who've come through for me on YouTube. I greatly appreciate it, you guys. Um, that's where we're, we can put all these long-form conversations. You guys can go and listen to whatever section of it that you choose to do. But go ahead and subscribe to our channels and follow us and share us with someone who may want to find out this information. But until next time, you guys, Gerald and I, we are out.